Hey there, I'm Rianne Mullins, and I'm the host of the Balanced Fit and Free podcast. 15 years ago, I lost 65 pounds by revamping my lifestyle in a very realistic and totally manageable way. Now I teach other women how to ditch the yo-yo dieting cycle and start living a balanced, fit, and happy life through real food, effective exercise, and a powerful mindset. Each week, I'll be popping into your ears to teach you how you too can live a balanced and fit life free from unrealistic diets and crazy expectations. Let's go. Hello, hello, hello. We are here for another episode of the Balanced Fit and Free podcast. Thank you for being here again today. I'm excited to talk about this very juicy and very misunderstood topic. We're talking about whether or not it's a good idea to go or be gluten-free. I will tell you the difference today between a food allergy and a food intolerance. Then we will talk a little more specifically about gluten, my story with gluten and other intolerances, as well as a few tips to help you become gluten-free if that's what you want or need to do. This is another topic that I've been uh, sort of putting on the back burner. It's such an important topic for me and one that I believe in greatly, but it's one of those things that's very individual, very personalized. So it's important to remember that this may not be of importance to you, but I want to bring awareness to the subject so that you can be informed and make decisions for yourself. I've been working on something in the background, so I was sort of waiting to bring up the topic of food intolerances because I was waiting for my newest program to be ready. But one of my very loyal listeners, Dina, hey, 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 Dina, sent me a message last week asking for help. She has a person close to her that found out she needs to go gluten-free, and Dina asked me to give her some tips. That's when I knew I had to go ahead and have this episode Okay, so now you have a hint that something new is coming out from me, and I hope that you um, will keep an ear and an eye out for that. But I want you to know that I have a ton more to say about this topic, okay? And I'm not going to share all in this podcast because I feel like, it, you know, this is going to be more to inform you and give you ideas and suggestions. Um but not everybody's going to need it. So I'm going to save a lot of the super deep details for the people that I work with one-on-one and in my upcoming program. So lots more to come on that as soon as I'm ready to share. Now, before I tell you about gluten, I want to first distinguish between food allergies and food intolerances. They are different, but are pretty much treated the same. Whatever the offending food is, it needs to be avoided for best results, okay? So what are food allergies? A food allergy is an immune system reaction that occurs soon, like quickly, after eating a certain food. Even a tiny amount of the allergy-causing food can trigger signs and symptoms, okay? The most common food allergy signs, okay, listen to these in case you have them, they include tingling or itching in the mouth, hives, itching or eczema, swelling of the lips, face, tongue, and throat, and maybe other parts of the body. My daughter, actually, her ears swell when she eats shrimp. Uh, Wheezing, nasal congestion, or just trouble breathing, 
abdominal pain, diarrhea, nausea, vomiting, dizziness, lightheadedness, or even fainting. Okay. So those are some symptoms and signs that you got an issue with the food that you just ate. Okay. And some people, a food allergy can even trigger a severe allergic reaction. You've probably heard of this called anaphylaxis. Okay. This causes constriction and tightening of the airways, um, maybe a swollen throat. Okay. That like starts to feel like it's closing. Um, it can even cause shock, which drops your blood pressure, can cause a rapid heart rate, dizziness, lightheadedness, or even loss of consciousness. So that clearly anaphylaxis is the scary version that you don't want. Um, but all of the other symptoms and signs are not pleasing as well. Okay. They're not pleasant to have. Now I got to tell you a quick story about myself several years ago. So it was probably 2000, gosh, I I don't know why my years, I think because of COVID, I can't remember what year it is. (laughs) Do you feel like that? Um, I believe it was 2016, 17 around there where I was drinking a lot of protein shakes. The brand was called Isogenics. They're really good. They're tasty. Nothing wrong with them, except that every time I would drink one, my lips would feel itchy and I would feel like I had like chapped lips. So I was constantly putting lip stuff on. And of course I would eat another freaking shake the next day or drink it and was not associating it at all. And after some time of having them every day for weeks on end, my, I noticed that my lips were getting worse, but they had this red, bright red ring around my lips, like not really around my lips, but along the lining. So it kind of looked like I had bright red lip liner on, you know, like lip liner. And then you put the lipstick on. Is that a thing anymore? Cause I don't, I don't know. Is it maybe, maybe people still use that. I don't obviously. Anyway, I finally went to the doctor and <laughs> Not because of that, because of other things I'm going to tell you about. And the doctor was like, uh, yeah, dummy. <laughs> she bas- she didn't call me a dummy, but basically the way she looked at me. Um, if you're feeling that and you're getting that, that's a- an allergic reaction. Stop drinking those shakes. <laughs> so I did. And guess what? The ring around my lips and the chapped lips, it all went away. So that was not super severe, but it was a sign that I was missing. So that's why we're doing this podcast episode is for those of you that already know you have issues with allergies or intolerances, then, you know, I can give you some tips here in a minute. But for those of you out there that haven't considered it, listen to some of these symptoms and and stories so that maybe you, you know, if you see yourself in this anyway, then you can start looking into it a little bit more. Now, I do have another funny story. It's not funny at all to my brother, but it's just a funny like family kind of joke now story. Um, so my older brother, Mike, he, he, since he was small, didn't like potatoes or noticed that potatoes made him feel terrible. He even noticed when my mom was cooking them or a restaurant was cooking them, or he was at a friend's house, whatever the situation, potatoes, yes, just white potatoes made him feel terrible. He got hives, itchy. I think he has a hard time breathing. He just feels terrible. Well, my mom didn't believe him because, you know, back in the day, she just thought he was being a brat and didn't want to eat her food, which nobody blames him. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Anyway, um, you know, so as he was getting older and older, he he knew he was like, okay, nobody believes me that I have this allergy, but I'm not going to eat potatoes. So 
you know, I don't remember when he was smaller because I probably was either not alive yet or, um, you know, really small. But I imagine he got in trouble for like not eating his dinner if there was potatoes. So what happened is as the years progressed, he, you know, moved out of the house and all the way until, well, until the last time we were together as a family, my mom still didn't believe he had an allergy. He'd be like, oh, yeah, Mike doesn't like potatoes. (laughs) We're like, no, it's an allergy. But actually, one more little spin off of that story is when Mike was going to college, he went to school in New Mexico and we lived in Wyoming at the time. So I remember the day we packed him up and I got to ride with him in his car and my mom and stepdad were in the car like behind us or with us, whatever. And we decided to stop at Burger King to get food. And, you know, by the way, when I was in, I was like, what, eight, nine? Oh, no, I was probably nine or 10. Getting Burger King was a really big treat, right? So I was so excited. So we pull in and we get our Burger King and he did not get French fries. And I was like, why aren't you getting French fries? Everybody loves French fries. And he looked at me like, you dummy. (laughs) And he was like, I can't eat French fries or potatoes. And I was like, what? And I had this light bulb moment. That's when I learned that French fries were potatoes. I was almost 10 years old and I didn't know that a French fry was a potato, but there you go. There's a story. All right. So moving on. Anyway, there's the difference. You know, if you have a severe reaction to eating a food or being around a a food or touching a food, like some people are even that sensitive to like just touching the food, then that's an allergy. It's like, it's a, an immune response in your body that happens immediately. Okay. Now food intolerance though, so a food intolerance means your digestive system system has a hard time digesting or breaking down a food. Okay, another word for food intolerance is food sensitivity. Now, the symptoms of food sensitivities or food intolerances also include stomach pain, right, gas, um, cramps, bloating, stomach pain, I already said that, nausea, um, vomiting even, heartburn, diarrhea, headaches, irritability or nervousness, anxiety, and depression. Okay. But food intolerances are a lot harder to diagnose or recognize because the symptoms may not be immediate. They can happen a few hours after eating the food or even days later. I found out personally uh, about my food intolerances in 2017-ish when I started to gain weight. That was when I really started noticing like something was up. I was really puffy, um, gaining a few pounds, not a lot, but like just not my normal. I had really bad heartburn and reflux, like burning, burning like crazy. My knees were hurting a ton. Um, I had a lot of brain fog and kind of confusion. And I was kind of just felt like I didn't know what was going on. And I have, I had a lot of fatigue. So at the time, I was eating very, very healthy. I was choosing whole grains, uh, lean protein, lots and lots of vegetables and fruit, um, healthy fats. I mean, probably the best, even over now, probably the best I've ever eaten. Like you wouldn't believe the amount of vegetables. And I still try to, but I was way better then. So, I mean, I am a nutrition and fitness and health coach, so I try to practice what I preach you know, most of the time. And I did then, I was probably a little too over the top at at that time. But 
even though I was doing that and doing really well with my meal planning and my foods, I had all of these signs and symptoms. So I was frustrated, you know, when I started getting weight and feeling really bad, I I really didn't know what was happening. And this is when I found out about having Hashimoto's autoimmune disease. So some of these symptoms were due to the autoimmune disease itself, but also these symptoms were coming from the foods I was eating, the food sensitivities I had developed, which has a huge relation to autoimmune. I went to several doctors before I could find one that actually took me seriously. Most doctors that I went to would be like, uh, yeah, you're getting older and you exercise a lot. It's time to slow down and just deal with it. You're getting older. This comes with age. I mean, I mean, really, I was so frustrated. I was like, if one more doctor tells me I'm getting older, I'm going to scream. And I just wasn't buying it. I knew, I knew that something had changed and I believed that I could help myself. I just needed some guidance and a doctor that would help me figure it out. The doctor that finally took me seriously ordered a blood test for me. And she explained to me that it's a very controversial test, you know, as to whether it works or not. But we went ahead and did it anyway, just to use as a guideline and something to help me know where to start with my food elimination. And I'll tell you more about that later. Um, and and she did order this food sensitivity test, and there's several different ones. Um, but we did it because the, the reason she ordered the food sensitivity test is because she had done some other lab, you know, blood work on me that pointed to me as having hypothyroid. So not enough thyroid. I was, that's probably a lot of my fatigue, a lot of what was going on. But also from that blood work, she was able to see that I have Hashimoto's autoimmune. So that then led her to think, well, then, you know, people with hypothyroid and with Hashimoto's oftentimes have um, gut issues, okay, gut health, digestion issues, which therefore could be also part of a food intolerance, okay? Anytime you have a lot of inflammation and anything that fills off, you know, what you eat really matters. And so anyway, if you have ever been told that you have any kind of thyroid issue, especially hypothyroid or any kind of autoimmune disorder, it is really, really important to take it serious, take seriously like what you're eating, okay? And you can either choose to go to a doctor that will help get you a test or you can just simply on your own eliminate some common foods from your diet, some common allergy and allergen or intolerance um, foods from your diet to see how you feel. Now, if you have any of the symptoms above that I mentioned about, you know, about the allergies and intolerances, um, remember they were abdominal pain, gas, irritable bowel, brain fog, joint pain, anxiety, depression, headaches, heartburn, some of those things. Um, it's probably a good indication that you're having a reaction to something. Maybe it's a food you're eating often, or maybe it's an environmental or seasonal allergy. But understand that if you don't feel right, something is not right. Okay. Now, once you recognize you may have symptoms of a food intolerance um, or allergy, then you have a choice. You can explore how you would feel without the allergen or intolerance foods. Okay. Or you can just keep going on about your business and complaining about feeling bad. (laughs) Okay. I say that because I personally had a moment when I decided I was just going to live and not worry about it. You know, 
some doctors, when you read the research, some doctors are really against the idea of food intolerances. Um, and some really believe it's an issue. So it's like, do you believe the doctors that say it's bullshit or do you believe the doctors that say it's a thing? You have to decide. And I wasn't sure which to believe, but I decided to explore my life without those foods and found out that I am way better without them. And my labs, my blood labs at my quarterly doctor appointments for my thyroid are much better when I have been really um, serious about taking those offending foods away. All right. The most common offenders. Now, I'm just going to say this from my own experience, from people I've worked with, things I've read, um, listening to my doctor, um, but mostly just from my own experience too, is these are the most common offenders that I have seen for food intolerances. Now, I'm not specific, not really talking now about allergies, but intolerances. Um, those are gluten, dairy, eggs, nuts, and caffeine. Okay. But for today's episode, let's move into gluten specifically, since it's a very big offender and one you hear terms often. You know, you hear a lot of people talking about, should I, I'm going gluten free or I'm gluten reduced or gluten this, gluten that. And you can see it on packages and even restaurants and, you know, menus, all these places you're seeing the word gluten um, noted. So let's talk a little bit more about that. And Dina asked me to. So I am. Now, what is gluten? Gluten is a general name for the protein, okay, the proteins that are found in wheat, and it helps foods maintain their shape, okay? They act kind of like a glue, these proteins, and it like holds the food together. It gives it that, like that thing, you know? <laughs> Does that make sense? Like bread, like you, it has that, that like chewy, gooey, that greatness about it. <laughs> oh. I just had a, a vision of eating real bread. Anyway, gluten can be found in many types of foods, okay, even ones that you would not expect. Now, gluten also, by the way, the reason it's in foods you don't expect is it's often used as a filler, okay, just or a preservative even. So you have to be really careful. And I'll talk about that here in a little bit. Now, some people have a very serious allergy to gluten, and that is called celiac disease. If you've ever heard the term celiac, then that's what it is. Celiac disease is a serious autoimmune disease that occurs in people mostly genetically predisposed, okay? Where when they like eat or ingest gluten, it actually leads to damage in the small intestine. When people with celiac disease eat gluten, their body has this like attack basically, the immune response, and it attacks the small intestine. These attacks then lead to damage on the villi Okay, the villi are these finger-like, like, just picture these little fingers, like, sticking on the inside of your small intestine, okay? The villi are there because when food passes through the intestine, those villi grab the nutrients. I imagine I'm, like, sucking onto the food and sucking out, like, the good stuff, you know, so that your body can absorb it. But when those villi get damaged, what happens is they kind of flatten down so that when the food passes through your di you know, digestive tract, instead of the food being absorbed through those little fingers, they're all flattened down. So it's like it just passes right through. Okay. They don't get absorbed, the nutrients. And so when the nutrients aren't properly, you know, 
digested or absorbed into your system, this leads to malnutrition and an entire response from your body. So this can lead to so many other medical concerns as well. Now, food intolerances can start to do the same thing if they're not caught and managed properly. Okay, anything attacking your system, your digestion, your gut health is going to create the same response. Now, I just want to point out that many people really overeat, but they're undernourished. And it's mostly due to this, their food, you know, their poor food choices, such as highly processed food, but it can also be due to allergies or intolerances. And it all comes back to gut health. Okay. And it just, I hope that you can imagine that. It's like picture the inside of like an inside of your intestine. It's like this long tube that the food takes time to, you know, pass through. And you don't want to pass through too fast because it's not going to catch on, you know. But you just see these little fingers and they just like suck out. It's really cool if you think about it. But then it makes more sense when you imagine them being flattened down or broken. And then the food doesn't get anywhere. So you can see why some people are eating, eating, eating and feeling undernourished because they're just not getting any of it. And you see this even in pets, you know, like I had a cat that got sick for a while and he was eating, 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 but nothing was being um, absorbed. And so he was getting skinny, skinny, skinny. So anyway, um, but all of that also leads to a ton of inflammation, which creates so many other problems. Now, okay, let me get back to gluten. I got off track there. Um, So let me tell you a little bit about um, my story. So I told you earlier about the whey protein allergy. Okay, remember, that's an allergy. I'm actually allergic to whey protein. So I had to be super careful because whey protein is actually in a lot of foods as well. Again, as a filler or um, I don't even really know why sometimes they add it. But so I have to be really careful because even if it's in a little bit, I can start to feel my lips do that thing. So I'm very fortunate it's only a lip thing. I'm glad it's not like something worse. But anyway, when I found that out, that was also the time I was finding out about, you know, my um, Hashimoto's and hypothyroid and finding out about the other food intolerances. So I did that test I was telling you about where they took like nine vials of blood and they tested two, I could be wrong, but I believe it was 250 different foods. Okay. And so when I got the results, whoa, I was terrified. The results said that I was intolerant to, I mean, I don't even remember all of the things, but I'm going to just list a few that I really jumped out at me that I still remember. Chicken. I mean, chicken, what? Eggs, milk, mushrooms, bell peppers, gluten, rye, barley, almonds, peanuts. Um, I think that blueberries and blackberries, um, there was a couple other things. I, I can't quite remember everything, but <laughs> that's what I remember right now. And I was told, so, so anyway, I do the blood test. I get this delivered to me in my like online health, you know, how we all have these doctor like portals now. And I like printed it and I read it and I'm like, what in the world? And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to freak out about this until I go to the doctor and I'm going to get like a plan and I'm going to figure this out. Like I was so determined because I was like, well, I mean, I got to do what I got to do. Right. So anyway, I go to the doctor and I'm feeling totally overwhelmed, frustrated. And so the doctor says to me, yeah, so we got your, um, you know, food intolerance sensitivity test back and she literally has it in front of her and she's like, takes a highlighter and highlights all the foods 
that came back as like a response. And she said, all right, I just want you to take all of those out of your food, all out of your diet. Just don't eat those for 90 days. Okay. And then after 90 days, you can introduce one item at a time. She was like, so start with the one you want the most and then just wait and see how it feels. And then if it feels okay, then you're probably all right. If it doesn't feel okay and you got to wait a whole week, got to make sure. And then you can add another one. So this is like, I mean, I had like 30 things. I mean, I, I can't remember all of them, but I'm like, so you're telling me I have to take this out in 90 days and then it's going to take me like 30 or more weeks to introduce them back. And I'm like looking at her like, what? Like I literally felt like, a, you know, a deer caught in the headlights kind of thing. Anyway, she's like, yep, that's what you're going to do. And then she stands up, hands me the paper, says, all right, so I'll see you in six months. We'll see how it's going. She hands me my checkout sheet and says goodbye. <laughs> And I'm like, thanks, doc. <laughs> that was super helpful, by the way. So, but but I want to say here, and, you know, to be fair, I love this doctor. This doctor has helped me in many, many ways. And she is the one who discovered that I had a heart issue and made me go to the cardiologist. I can honestly say between her finding out I have hypothyroid, Hashimoto's, and a heart condition, um, and these food intolerances, all this, I can honestly say that I believe she saved my life. Like I truly believe she's saved my life, but also the qual my quality of life. But with all of that said, she did not help me implement her suggestions. She simply said, you need to eliminate those foods. Catch you later. <laughs> Bye. And she was out the door. So the reason I bring that up is because doctors don't have time to help you implement, Right. They have a very short amount of time to look at your information, diagnose, and move on because they're slammed. It's not that they don't care. I really, I can honestly say, I believe this doctor cared about me. I believe she wanted me to be better, but she literally didn't have time to sit and create a plan for me to follow, right? She didn't have time to like follow up with me every week and make sure I was feeling better without gluten or make sure I was feeling better without whatever. It just, it's not her job but that is my job. That is why I'm a coach. That is why I do what I do. Okay. Remember that if you need help, somebody like a coach is there to help you incorporate the changes in your life that your doctor recommends. Yes. Doctors are amazing, amazing, amazing. And if there's any doctors listening now, thank you because we need doctors and I love doctors. And, but here's the thing, somebody like a nutrition coach, a wellness coach, a health coach, we are here to compliment and help you work through what the doctor recommends. We are here to help you put into a plan, implement the plan, create a plan that works in your lifestyle. That is what I do. And now I'm even better at it because I've personally lived through it. So I just needed to put a little plug in there for all of us health coaches. Okay. Anyway, I'm, I was going to try to keep this brief today, but I keep throwing in all kinds of stuff. Anyway, I want to get to my pointers, okay, or my tips for going gluten-free, okay? But I need to tell you, going gluten-free is only going to be as hard as you make it. Just like anything in life, if you want to do it and it's important to you, you will do what it takes. If it's not important to you, you will make excuses. So the first step is making the decision to make a change. If you can't do that, it's going to feel super hard. 
you have to go into this thinking as a hero. Okay, a hero, your own hero that wants to help you make your life better. You can't start this in a victim mindset. If you're thinking, oh, poor me, I can't have my favorite cookie or bread anymore, it will be miserable. But if you go into this thinking, hey, I can do this. I'm super excited to figure out how to make my body work better for me. You will be more likely to succeed. You have to have the right mindset. Okay? So once you find your the right mindset, get into a hero mindset versus a victim. Once you, you know, have gotten the mindset right and you're making the decision and you're ready to go, then here are a few tips to follow. But don't even listen to the tips unless you're seriously going to take them. Okay? Here, here it goes. I got five of them. I could probably give you 50 of them, but I'm, I narrowed down to some of the most important when you're just starting. The very, very, very first most important thing to do when you're going gluten-free is to learn how to recognize all the sources of gluten. Okay? Gluten is not just bread. Gluten is not just beer. Gluten is not just pizza crust and donuts and bagels and um, that, all that stuff. Okay. Yes, it is. It is all of those things, but it also can be found in sauces, dressing, packaged foods, seasonings. You must learn how to read a food label to find out if there's any source of gluten or wheat. And when in doubt, look for foods that are certified gluten-free. Okay. If you really, 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 really aren't sure, then I would err on not eating it and finding a, a sure bet. Okay. So learn to recognize all sources of gluten. Super duper duper critical. All right. So no, number two, this is super important too. Make a list of all the gluten-free foods that you can eat. Okay. First, you want to recognize what sources there are that you should avoid, right? You got to make sure you or understand where gluten is. But my second tip is make sure you list out all the foods you can eat because there are so many foods. There's so, so, so many foods available that are naturally gluten-free. Fruits, vegetables, meats, beans, rice, potatoes, even oats and oatmeal, as long as they're certified gluten-free. Yes, bread has gluten. Yes, pretzels, cookies, granola bars, cereals, a lot of them have gluten. But you just have to open up your mind to all of the possibilities and alternatives instead of focusing on what you can't have. Make a list as long as you can that shows you how many foods are available to you. Do a Google search. Literally look wherever you can. Um, look at food labels. Go spend some time in the grocery store and just look around. There's so much help around just by being aware. Just open your eyes and keep positive. Remember, you got to have to be the hero, not the victim. If you're the hero, you're going to see what you can have. If you're a victim, you're only going to see what you can't have. Okay. My third tip is don't fill up on a bunch of junky gluten-free foods from the gluten-free aisle. Okay. There are a ton of gluten-free options available. Pre there's gluten-free pretzels, cereals, breads, bagels, pastas, chips, but they're not necessarily healthy options just because they're gluten-free. One mistake I see people make when they go gluten-free is they start eating worse and less healthy because they are scared and just start buying all the junk food, okay? I personally do eat a weekly gluten-free bagel every Saturday morning. I love them, okay? I enjoy gluten-free pretzels occasionally. I do eat gluten-free pasta, but these are not daily choices, okay? Going gluten-free 
just just going gluten-free is not necessarily healthy if you just replace gluten with processed junk food all the time, okay? Processed gluten-free food. So I know a lot of my um, friends and people I know go to Aldi to shop. Well, Aldi has a ton of gluten-free options. And every time I've gone there, I've looked and I almost always put them back because they are full of junk. Just because it's gluten-free does not mean it's healthy, okay? However, I do think you should get a few of these items to have available just so that you can feel normal. And when you're starting to fall into that victim, poor me mode, then you can go ahead and grab a little gluten-free cookie and just get over it, right? (laughs) But please, please, please don't assume they're healthier, okay? Um, But FYI, there are a lot of new pastas available that are slightly healthier than the old gluten-free pastas. Things like lentil and chickpea pasta may be a better option. Again, anything processed is not as healthy as something fresh. But if you really want some pasta, I would say look for the chickpea or the lentil options. Okay. Now my fourth tip is cook more, cook at home more. There are a million or more probably recipes online. You can go to to Pinterest, create a board, call it gluten-free meals or whatever, And then search for gluten-free healthy recipes or gluten-free dinners or gluten-free healthy snacks. Search for gluten-free breakfast options. I I really do try to share a lot of gluten-free recipes and meal ideas in my Facebook group and on Instagram. So just be sure to check out there. I don't do it every day, but if I'm eating something that I think looks decent, (laughs) then I'm going to share. It's just that I eat a lot of the same thing, so I don't do it like every day. But I do have a lot of ideas because I've been doing this for several years, okay? If you also, including, you know, cooking at home is going to be a better, safer set, but you know, you're going to go out occasionally. So if you do go out to eat, try to look at the menu before you go. Okay. This is good just in general to do anyway, but most websites are good about listing their allergens, or at least you can look at the menu and remember you made that list of all the things you can eat. Well, then that's what you want to do. You want to look at the menu, scan it and find the things that you can eat. Okay. Many restaurants are willing to work with you if you tell them that you need gluten-free. So literally just last night before recording this, I went out to dinner with friends and we went to a fun restaurant and there was a lot of things I could not eat, but there were several things I could eat. And so, you know, part of it again is not being a victim. I mean, I totally, they, they got like crab dip and like pita chip things with it. I'm like, oh, dang, it looks good. But it's not worth it to me. Like I know that I feel better without it. So I just move on, you know, at the end of the meal, you're going to be full if you choose something gluten or something gluten-free, but you're going to feel more um, proud of yourself if you can just stick with the gluten-free if that's what you need. Okay. And here's my last tip. If you love to bake, make your own oat flour. Okay. If you're celiac or if you have a very sensitive food intolerance to gluten, be sure to purchase certified gluten-free oats. Really, really important. But I love making cookies and muffins and breads and other treats out of oat flour. I just put oats in my Vitamix or if you any blender that's really high-powered. And you blend and blend and blend until they're like a fine powder or flour-like. So I prefer using oat flour over the gluten-free mixes, but those can work too, Okay. You'll need to experiment with the different kinds of brands of like the gluten-free flours and things like that. Um, But here's a fun little secret that I learned. If you love to bake, you can add protein powder to your baked good 
your baked goods like batters and doughs. So not only does this add a little protein power, but it also helps the baked good rise and fluffier. So gluten is a protein. Remember I told you like gluten's a protein that attacks the small intestine for some people. Um, but gluten also helps keep breads and things like have their form, their shape and kind of the texture. So when you take it out of your baked goods, a lot of, you know, cookies and muffins may be, fall flat or not be quite the texture you want. But when you add in protein powder, it almost acts like gluten and can give your baked goods a little lift and a little fluffiness. So my muffins and banana breads and things like that, although although they're not super healthy and something you should eat every day, right? I mean, they're baked goods. But when I do make them, I feel really satisfied with the oat flour and the protein powder together. So that is just a little tip that I have for you. So so just make sure, number one, you're acting like a hero for yourself and not a victim. Um, I want you to know how to recognize all sources of gluten. That's super, super important. Make a list of all of the foods you can eat. There are so many, so many foods. Don't fill up on a bunch of the junky gluten-free foods that are boxed. Start cooking more at home and go on Pinterest, go on Google, find some fun recipes to try. If you have fun with cooking, you're going to do it more often and you're going to enjoy it. And then finally, if you want to bake, you know, make your own flour out of gluten-free flour and add that protein powder. So I also want to say this. If you have a diagnosis of celiac, you must avoid gluten. I mean, it's like critical, okay? If you have a sensitivity or intolerance, you must also avoid gluten if you want to feel good, if you want to feel better. But if you accidentally get some some gluten, if you just have a sensitivity or intolerance, you you probably won't suffer as bad as someone with celiac, okay? So remember, allergies are immediate, so that'd be celiac, and intolerances may take a while to like show up, okay? So now that I have been um, gluten, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it gluten reduced. I was gluten free for almost three years, but then I started to kind of add it back occasionally, just occasionally. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and call myself, I, I, use, I usually use the term gluten free, but I'm actually more like gluten reduced because there on occasion, I will have something with gluten. So to be totally truthful, it's more gluten reduced, but I've been like that for so long that when I do have, I don't know, like it's not even really food that I want. It's usually beer that I want if I'm going to have gluten, to be honest, um, or maybe a slice of pizza. Those are the two things that I'll splurge on once in a while, but I can usually do that and not have a huge problem, but that in itself is the problem (laughs) because remember I told you intolerances may take a few days even to show up. Well, in my mind sometimes, and I'm just being really honest with you, like sometimes I'm like, wow, that beer didn't bother me. So I'll have one tomorrow night too. And then, and I've gotten into these times where like, I'm like, oh, I'm not really noticing anything. So I get a little too lenient. And then I end up with a flare up. So a flare up with autoimmune is not fun and it can take three to six months to get it back under control or longer. So I try really hard not to do that. Okay. But the good news is that if you have an intolerance to gluten, you really, well, first of all, you really should plan to keep it away most of the time, like the majority of the time. But if you heal your gut, like you really take time to heal your gut, there's a chance that you'll be able to add the food back later, or at least if not totally occasionally in small amounts. And that's cool. 
So like I said, I have a ton more information to share, but food intolerances affect people differently. So I wanted to keep this on a more high level. If you need help more specifically with eliminating gluten or or maybe even figuring out if you have intolerances or if you need any kind of a 90-day food elimination plan or you need somebody to help you get through an elimination plan, please let me know. I have a lot of experience in this area and I can be a great source for you and a great support system. So I hope that you found something helpful in today's podcast. And if you liked it, will you please share it, like share it with a friend or a family member or maybe somebody at work that you think might have a gluten intolerance or a food intolerance. I, I really love to help people. And the more you share, um, then the more people I can help. So I'm, you know, I'm very excited about helping you take better care of your body and your mind. So I will be sharing more about thyroid, Hashimoto's, and food intolerances in the near future. I look forward to having you back next week. Thank you for tuning into the Balanced Fit and Free podcast. I'm over here giving you a virtual high five. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a single episode. And if you are looking for a crew of amazing women who are also seeking a balanced, fit, and free lifestyle, be sure to join my exclusive community on Facebook. The link is waiting for you in the show notes. Until next time, keep your thoughts positive and your coffee hot.